Welcome to Kingdom Now, the program that celebrates the kingdom of God within you. I am your host, Apostle Dr. Leanne Marino, founder of Apostolic Fellowship International Revival Ministries and Sanctuary International Fellowship Tabernacle, and I am excited to share this program with you as we explore the ins and outs of counterculture Christianity, present as you live out the kingdom of God in your everyday life. Want to learn more about our ministry? Visit www.kingdompowernow.org. And now, our program, which features a variety of formats here just for you. Interviews co-hosted with my guests on a variety of relevant topics, teaching preached and taught everywhere, from our studios to around the world, and powerful insights here for now, as we turn the world upside down everywhere we go. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy, whatever time it is, wherever you are, I welcome you to the Kingdom Now podcast, and I am your host for this program, Apostle Dr. Leon Marino from Apostolic Fellowship International Revival Ministries, better known as Affirm, and I am the voice of counterculture Christianity, and today I'm on here as I feel led to be. I'm actually was not planning on doing any specific message on my own today. Actually, I have to record later today, tomorrow, and the next day for this program. So I was really not planning on doing any specific individual teaching. But today I'm on here with a message that's really coming to me called, The Truth Shall Set You Free, But First. And then we have the dot, dot, dot after. I've been sitting back and I've been watching and I've been experiencing and I've been seeing a lot of things from a lot of different places. And they're making me think. They're making me come to wonder what we really believe about truth. They're making me really see where we're missing and lacking things as relate to what's true in our lives. And truth is a very important topic. It's a very important thing. It's a very important principle. So we ask and we wonder so often, what is truth? If you meet anybody who's real into their faith, if you meet people who believe different things, they'll probably give you a different answer for what truth is. And yes, I do believe that there are certain beliefs and doctrinal truths that we hold fast to and that we embrace and we believe in if we are believers in Christ. I do believe that. And I do believe that those certain fundamental truths are very vital and important to our beliefs and they're very vital to our faith. But if truth is something people can argue over, if truth is something that is almost, I guess we're going to say kind of abstract or something that people can disagree about, then there must be a certain fundamental level of truth that is unavoidable. And I guess we could say it's a level of truth that's on paper. It's a level of reality that we come to accept. And it's about more than just who Jesus is, although absolutely I believe that that's part of truth. I believe that that's a part of the embrace of truth because when we come to see him as he is, we come to see ourselves as we are. But there's also the reality that truth is truth is truth. That truth is facing those realities of things that maybe we don't like about ourselves, maybe we don't want to embrace about ourselves, or maybe we don't 
want to see. And that the truth sets us free because it gives us the ability to see ourselves as we are. It gives us the ability to see ourselves as we are with our flaws, with our problems, with our issues, so that we can start to change. That truth is the beginning of change. And I see so many people around me who might have all the beliefs on paper. You know, they might be okay on paper, but somehow the truth is not influencing or affecting or getting down into where they need to be in their lives. It's not transforming them. It's not changing them. It's not bringing them to a place where they are able to walk in the freedom that God has for them and where they are always so bound up. They're always walking around with a new problem or a new issue. And I mean, some of them are big. Some of them are heavy. Some of them are problematic. And their doctrine on paper isn't bringing them to the place where they are able to face that truth, where they are able to fix and accept and acknowledge that truth for what it is and move forward. Because if they accept that truth, that means that the illusions are destroyed. There's a really powerful passage in the New Testament that when we talk about truth, we often cut one verse out, but we don't read the whole thing. We don't read the whole context and we don't understand the entirety of what's being talked about here. And this is in John chapter 8, and I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible, the 1984 edition. And we're going to start in verse 31, but I want to give a little bit of a backdrop to what was being spoken of here and what was to be embraced therein so that we understand more of it. In John chapter 8, Jesus speaks of his own testimony about who he is and about that he is the light of the world. We see that over in verse 12, that he's the light of the world. And then what happens is he makes that statement and the Pharisees come and they challenge him. And they challenge him because he was appearing as his own witness. In other words, he was coming and he was saying who he was. And they were saying that because he was his own witness to who he was, that that wasn't valid. So we could kind of compare that today to when you have a call of God on your life and people tell you, no, you don't. People tell you, no, you can't be called or no, you can't be this or no, you can't be that because of what they feel. They're saying that because you are the one who had that experience or had that encounter and you are the only one who could testify to it because that's true of us at every point in our testimony somewhere in there. I mean, people do come to see the validity of what we do with time. But the reality is that over time, many of us often have a period where we're the only ones who really are knowing and acknowledging what we are called to do. And Jesus told him that even if he testifies on his own behalf, the testimony is valid because he knows where he came from and where he's going. But they don't have any idea where Jesus is from or who Jesus is because they're judging by mere human standards. And that's also relevant when we're talking about a call of who we are. But I think that this is a very important concept to look at this dialogue because Jesus presented them truth. 
He didn't come at them with a big, huge, long doctrine. He didn't come at them with a big, huge, long thing. He was able to give them scripture, but he didn't come at them with a resume and show them all his miracles and everything that he had done up to this point in time and how he'd been born of a virgin. He didn't go that route because those might be the facts of his life, but his life and the truth of who he was was so much bigger than just those incidents or just kind of looking at those incidents a little bit at a time. And so they're arguing or defending what they believe in the face of truth, in the face of the way, the truth, and the life standing in front of them, they're denying who he is. They're trying to fight that or push that off or get that away from them. And we're going to start in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now that's the crux and the very essence of why we don't deal with the truth, because we don't want to hear the truth about who we are. We don't want to accept the truth of things. We like the idea of the abstract doctrines on paper that we can point to to tell us who we are. We like the idea of being able to say, well, I believe in this and I believe in this and I believe in this and I believe in this. And so I'm okay. I don't have to deal with that. My life is a train wreck or my relationships are a train wreck or things are a mess. We don't like the idea of having to look at those things and say, maybe some things down here in the natural, whether it's a relationship or a circumstance or a pursuit that we might have, we don't like the idea of having to go back and say that they can't be saved. We don't like the idea that sometimes the truth that sets us free is that we have to let go of something or that we can't have it all or that we can't pursue what we're pursuing or that we can't do what we're doing, that we can't have these concepts that we have on paper and have Jesus at the same time. Because the truth is what sets us free. And when Jesus is standing right there in the face before us saying, you know, look, this is not working. This just ain't working for you. We're the ones who have to make that step in order to move for where God calls us to be. And what they did is denial because whether or not they were ever enslaved physically those specific people to a person does not mean that they were not enslaved in some way in their lives. First of all, they were technically occupied, and so they were enslaved to the Romans. They may not have been quote-unquote slaves, but they were under an occupational rule that was not their own. And so this is the first thing. You're sitting there saying that you're not slaves of anybody. What are you addicted to? And addictions are not just about drugs and alcohol. Addictions are not just about substances. We can be addicted to a bad relationship. We can be addicted to the wrong people. We can be addicted to our ambition. There is something in every single one of us that needs to be overcome with truth. There is something within all of us, as much as we can't point to it maybe in a bigger sense, like we don't need to be on intervention for it. There are definitely things in all of our lives that we need to reach that place 
place where we are willing to overcome them, where we are willing to lay them down and say, look, I can't just walk away from this by sheer willpower. And that is a very powerful truth that people talk about when they go into 12-step programs is that they have to admit that they are powerless to whatever it is that they're addicted to, that that addiction has made it so that they cannot overcome it by themselves. And there's an awful lot of things in all of our lives that we cannot overcome by ourselves. We cannot just say, all right, I'm going to will this relationship back to where it needs to be. I'm going to will this marriage to where it needs to be. I'm going to will or fix this situation or this job or my ambition to where it needs to be on my own. Yeah, you might be okay for a few days. But if you are truly not facing the truth, you are going to be lost because you're going to fall. They were slaves, not just to the Romans, not just to the Babylonians, not just to the Persians, not all these generations back. They were slaves to sin. They were slaves to their own ambitions. They were slaves to their own compulsions and their own addictions. And they were slaves to denial. They did not want to face that they were not who they thought they should be, and they were not who they wanted to be. And they were not going to become that if they just stayed in this place, in this comfortable place, where they fell back on their doctrine on paper. So we have a saying in 12-step programs, and for those who are curious about my own background, I am not in AA or one of those programs, but I have been over the years, a student of Al-Anon, and that is a group that you use when you have an addict in your family. And I've also been to other 12-step meetings. I've been to Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been to Narcotics Anonymous. I've been to Adult Children of Alcoholics. I've been to a lot to them for learning purposes, for experience, but to also see the different ways that we come to learn the truth about ourselves. And so Jesus is here, as we would talk about it, having a come to Jesus moment, literally, with these people who don't want to hear the truth, who he's saying, all right, you continue in my teaching, it's going to bring you to that place where you are free, where you are able to find and to figure and to see the truth of who you are. But they wanted to fall on a lineage just like we want to fall on a denomination, just like we want to fall on somebody who came before us, who taught us away. They wanted to fall back on, well, we have this lineage, so we are free and we're not bound and we don't need you to show us who we really are, but we all need to hear who we really are. We need to all hear what's true therein. Verse 34 Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now let's stop there for a minute. They wanted to fall back on their lineage. They wanted to be able to say X, Y, and Z. But they were denying the truth. They were denying the true son that was standing right in front of them. And so he's been there and he's standing upon the fact 
that they're ready to kill truth even though they think they've already got it, which is a proof that they don't. That when we are confronted with the truth, if we fight the truth, then that proves that we don't have it. That we're falling back on a lineage that is not right. We're falling back on a lineage that is not authentic. We are falling back on a lineage that is not going to set us free. And it's fine to have certain beliefs. It's fine to rest yourself on them. But the truth that's going to set you free is not going to lie in all those things. It's going to be when you're able to apply whatever it is you believe. And Jesus is sitting there staring at you right in the face. And you come to know and you come to see exactly what you need from God. And until that time, whatever we're doing is from our Father. Verse 39, they've got a response. Abraham is our father, they answered. Then Jesus answers them, If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Now, why is this passage important as relates to truth? Abraham was certainly not a perfect person. In fact, I've talked about it on some other programs. I've talked about it in books that I've done. Abraham definitely had his issues. He tried to pimp out his wife, the whole Ishmael situation, being led around by things that were not always necessarily good. Abraham definitely had his issues. I'm not questioning that or contradicting that or saying that in any way Abraham was perfect. Why Abraham is mentioned here is because when Abraham was shown the truth about himself, he did something different. When Abraham was face to face with that, he's pimping out his wife and this is wrong. He did something different. When Abraham came and stood face to face with the situation about Ishmael and Hagar and Isaac, he dealt with it. When it came time for Isaac and the issues he might have had with him and he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, he was willing to do it even though God did not in the end require it of him. So Abraham was willing to accept and face and deal with and confront the truth about himself. And when that truth came and stood face to face with him, no matter what he felt he believed on paper, no matter what his ideas were about things, no matter how he might have wanted to take the easy route or the convenient route or the route that seemed the most promising, he dealt with the truth. He dealt with what stared in front of his face and he had to accept. Abraham would never have killed Jesus if Jesus stood in front of him and he wouldn't have done it because he understood that principle of truth. You know, we talk sometimes about your truth and a lot of people jump through their behinds over that. But when we talk about something being your truth, that is the truth being personal to you. It doesn't mean that truth is necessarily relative or that it changes, but that in every situation we find ourselves in, there is a certain level of truth that we have to accept and deal with and embrace for ourselves. And if we are not willing to do that, if we are not willing to take 
take on that confrontation, then truth is not personal to us. It doesn't become something that's ours, something that we embrace, something that we put on in our lives. And when we're not willing to do that, Jesus could stand in front of you and deal with you about your situation, and you would still deny it. You would still argue with him, just like these people did here. You know, we love to be judgmental of Israel. We love to be judgmental of people in the Bible. We love to talk about where we feel like they didn't measure up or they didn't do good. Well, we do the same exact thing. And we don't only do it the same exact way. We do it today with pride, just like they did it. Well, I have this doctrine. Well, I'm a part of this church. Well, I don't need to be analyzed. Well, I don't need to hear this. Well, I don't need this. Well, I don't need that. No, you do need it. And you need it for the very reason that it's standing in front of you and that you don't want to hear it. And you need it because you are not going to be set free until you deal with the big pink elephant that's sitting on your coffee table in front of you. Continuing on in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I come from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. That's pretty direct. If we want to say that we belong to God, it's about a lot more than our doctrine. It's about more than what church we go to. It's about how much of the truth we are willing to accept. And are we willing to follow God to that place where the truth really is and often becomes very, very markedly uncomfortable? There's something that we often say in 12-step programs, and I ask you to forgive the language for it, but there is no other way to quote it except the way that they say it. And they say the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And why do they say that? And why is that the way that it's put? Why is that the language that is used? Because it's going to do you more than make you angry. It's going to piss you off. Because all of a sudden, all the things that you're trying to avoid... The lies you've told, the lies you tell other people, the lies you tell yourself, the things that you do that hurt other people, the sins that you commit in the state that you're in, the ways that you try to avoid reality, the relationships that you hurt, the other people that you bring into things innocently that are now hurt because of whatever it is that you've done. The basic and bare facts of what addiction does and what codependency does if you are in a family support program and the things that it does and the way that it affects everyone and everything around you is a reality. And you're in denial. That's how you keep going on and that's how you keep going on and that's how you keep interacting and that's how you keep living is by not dealing with those parts of you. And in order to find the truth that will set you free, you got to first feel something. You got to first feel something besides comfortably numb, as Pink Floyd put it. 
Because when we live in circumstances like that, we get comfortably numb. We get comfortable with the dysfunction. We might hate it. We might not like a thing about it. We might hate what we've become, but we don't deal with it. We don't accept that part of us. And not accepting that one part of us leads to other parts of us that we don't accept. And others and others and so on and so forth and beyond and beyond and beyond. Well, we don't just look at us. We might spend a lot of time looking at everybody else. We might spend a lot of time asking God to fix other people. We might spend a lot of time asking God to move in other people's hearts. But it's not until that point where we start to get angry. And we often get angry at us. We need to get angry at who we are. We need to get angry at what we've done. That the truth starts to set us free. And that is not just something that needs to happen if you're an addict, because as I said in the beginning, there's an awful lot of things that hold us bound, an awful lot of things that we could classify as an addiction, as a pursuit, as something that is harmful and damaging that we just don't often deal with because we try to avoid it. The truth will set you free, but first you got to get pissed off about how you're living, about the things that you're doing, about the pursuits that you're making, about every effort that you keep trying to fix something that God is just not in. And it doesn't matter what it is. And I really believe that Jesus standing before the Jews who were able to stand there and give him all this passages, well, we're the children of Abraham and we're not enslaved to anybody and we're not this or that. As we sit there as defensive and as annoyed and as angry as possible over it, they needed to get set free. And it needed to start there where they had to confront them. They had to look at them. They had to stop pointing at somebody else, stop relying on somebody else, and deal with themselves and deal with who they were and the things that they did, the things that they were wrong about, the things that they didn't do right. It's time to feel something besides the comfortable numbness that we talk about in church. It's time to feel something more so that we can get to the truth, so that we stop trying to fix things we can't fix. That's why in 12-step programs we pray, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In one program we say, and the wisdom to know that what I can change is me. We can change us. We can't change other people. We can't hammer other people over the head with the truth and think that we're going to be or do or complete what God wants to do within us. We have to start dealing with who we are. And that means some real raw, some real uncomfortable things that while we can sit there and in the name of God, which we always do in church, blame our dependencies, blame our denials, blame our ignorances and our bigotries and our bad attitudes on that doctrine. We can't do that anymore because if we sit there and we experience that facing, that reality of Jesus standing us in the face, he's going to stand there and tell us that our father is not God. Our father is the devil because we are embracing and living lies. 
we talk a lot about authenticity in church today, about being transparent, about being real, about being who we really are. And then anytime somebody tries to do that, we don't want anything to do with them. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever really accepted that? Have you ever really dealt with that? That we want to play church. We want to play okay. You know, if I don't say anything to people other than I'm fantastic or I'm wonderful or I'm blessed and highly favored, people start with me. Oh, well, is that it? Oh, is that really it? You know, I was having a really, really bad day a couple of weeks ago and I had somebody start with me in my inbox and I made the comment that life sucks sometimes. What can I say? You would have thought I said a cuss word. You would have really thought I would have said something that would have really been offensive, but that individual didn't talk to me again for several weeks and then was real uncomfortable and real awkward with me. Why? Because I told the truth. Because I told a cold, hard truth that all those memes you're putting up on your page about all your fantasy houses and cars aren't reality. It's not Jesus standing in front of you. It's fake. It's not where you really live, and it's not what you're really going to have if you keep going on like you are and can't admit the basic truths about life. We don't like when people have strong emotions or serious feelings or go through hard times because we can't just pat them on the back. So what do we do? We avoid them. How many times do we put something up that's true and people get angry? They pick at parts of it. They pick at facts about it. They pick at things that aren't true. I am so tired of seeing posts that laud a marriage or that praise somebody to the sky when you know as well as I do that they have no use for you and you don't have any use for them. And that every other day of the year, you can't stand each other. But somehow we think because it's this day, oh, it's okay. It's a lie. You know God told you not to be in that relationship. You know God told you to let go of that person. You know God told you to stop doing things the way you're doing them and start doing them honestly, and you're still doing it this way where you kind of skirt around reality. It's not fair, and it's not truthful, and it's not honest, and we want the world to want to be Christian, and we want the world to be real, and we want the world to believe that we've got something honest to offer here, and we're not honest ourselves. We're not really who we say we are. And that means that we aren't of Christ and that we aren't begotten of him. And I don't want to hear the, oh, well, we're all sinners and we're saved by grace and we're doing our best. No, no, no. That's a misappropriation of it. Because grace is the fact that Jesus gives us the chance to deal with this stuff now. Grace is the fact that Jesus gives us the reality to stand at the door and knock and we have the opportunity to open it up and get that right now. That is grace because we don't deserve that. It is grace that Jesus was standing in front of these people, giving them the opportunity to be exactly who they were called to be and deal with who they were called to be. And they didn't want to deal with it any more than an awful lot of us do. This passage is more than about accepting who Jesus says he is. It's about accepting who he is for us. It's about that truth becoming personal. 
It's about that truth becoming real. It's about that truth being in every part of our lives and every part of our being. Because every time we put our best foot forward or we keep up appearances, we're lying. If that's not who we really are, if that's really not who our situation is really in reality, if it's not really how we feel, then we're lying. And it's a lie. And lying is just as bad as anything else. And it's bad because when we do it, we cannot accept the truth that sets us free. It doesn't matter what the title is that you've got in your life or what anyone's title is who's around you. It doesn't matter what the structure or the shape of that is. The truth sets you free. And it's really freeing to be able to say, you know what? I'm living in hell. I want to get out of it. That's where it begins. That's where we accept that powerlessness that changes us, that we cannot do this on our own and we cannot fix what we cannot fix because we cannot change other people, but we can change us. And that means that when we come into the truth, it looks a lot more like freedom than codependency. It looks a lot more like us being different. It looks a lot more like our situations changing. It looks a lot more like some people moving out, some people putting down a bottle and going to a 12-step meeting. It looks a lot more like relationships that are toxic and are destructive just being over and us saying, you know what, I'm going to stop finding excuses to stay in this. I'm going to stop staying where I am, whether it's a toxic marriage or a toxic church or a toxic addiction or a toxic relationship or a toxic situation where we say, I'm not doing this anymore. The truth sets us free. Where we get angry enough to do something, where we get angry enough to be different, where we get angry enough to look at ourselves. These people, some of them walked away, some of them stuck around. Some of them accepted Jesus and followed him. Some of them didn't because they got indignant and they used that indignancy as an excuse to avoid the truth that stood in front of them. Truth incarnate stood in front of them and they still walked away. So what makes you think that you are better than that? There are things we just need to come to accept. Because our lives and what we're praying for and what we're believing for is not going to come to pass if we don't. And it's not God being passive aggressive. It's not that it doesn't rain on the just and the unjust alike because it does. Good and bad things happen to us. But if you're really believing God for something and you're living a lie, you can't have it. You cannot have it because what we receive comes from truth himself. It comes from that place. It comes from that font of reality. It comes from those facts. And so if you are standing there before Jesus as he deals with you, and he's going to deal with you every day, he's going to deal with you every time you have that feeling. He's going to deal with you every time that you're depressed. And you just keep running back and going back and repeatedly going to over and over and over again. You are a place of denial. And those people who keep you there, you are not going to find what God's got for you. And no, that's not a threat. That's a fact. That's truth. It's not until we truly accept who we are and the realities that we've created that God moves in our lives. And it's truly not to that place until we are able to see it for what it is and thank God for it.
and thank God for that grace and thank God for that warning and thank God for that opportunity. Thank God for that opportunity to be able to change, that courage to change, that power to change, that circumstance that says, I accept what I cannot change, but I'm going to change what I can. We cannot always point to somebody else, whether it's that we're pointing to them because we're hoping that they're going to save us through or because we're hoping that by doing that, we're able to divert the attention from us. We are who we are. We are where we stand. And if we acknowledge that I'll have fallen short of the glory of God, then that means we need to accept that in us. In those places that we don't like, in those deep, dark recesses that force us to admit that whether or not we went up to an altar call, that it's not enough. That we accept that, yeah, maybe we got rid of the big things, but we picked up on a whole bunch of other little ones that now made it so we're just as much bound as we were by those big things. Where we accept and we confront that we've made this mess and that we're ready to change it. That accountability. And that's what God is looking for at this point in time. And that's what he's looking for in truth. Truth is a place of accountability. It's a place where we are honest with who we are supposed to be and the fact that we're not there. And people what say, well, we're not perfect. Well, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to be honest and to stop saying, oh, I'm not perfect as the excuse and use I'm not perfect as the truth, as the reality. As the thing where we stand here and we say that the truth will set us free, that we are slaves, that we are still slaves, that we keep trying to gloss over our slavery with Jesus and not come to the place to accept who we are, that we lie, that we steal, that we cheat, that we're dishonest, that we are following willfully the father of lies, in order to maintain our own denial, to keep that image of who we are. You know what? An awful lot more people might like you if you were real. Sometimes we worry about things like, oh, well, we're not going anywhere. This is not going anywhere. That is going where your calling cannot cover up your character. And you can be called and you can be the best cell preacher in the universe and you can jump over as many pews as you want. You can put up brilliant, insightful things on Facebook in your statuses that make you sound smart and intelligent. You can even put up stuff that's pseudo-humble. And I say it's pseudo-humble because it's not really you dealing with you. It's you talking about something that you know if you put it up, everyone will ooh and ah and feel bad for you over or make you think you're admirable. But it's not really what God is dealing with you about, or it's not really something in you that's redeemed. And yes, I mean you. Don't sit there and think I'm not talking to you. Because if we're really honest, this is a part of all of us. And salvation is not as difficult as we make it out to be. And the truth is not as difficult as we make it out to be. Everybody's out there today arguing over doctrine. No, we need to get to a point where instead of arguing over things, we accept and we confront and we embrace and we receive truth. And if we do that, we're going to spend a lot less time being interested in other people and a lot more time being interested in what God has for us to do and stop worrying and obsessing and compulsing over everybody else. Because I'm going to tell you what, at the end of the day, 
God's not going to ask you about anybody else. God is not going to ask you about what somebody else has done. God is not going to ask you about a pop quiz on the quote-unquote standard sins of the day that you all get to point to instead of pointing your finger back at yourself. We talk about wanting to worship God, but there's something very important to that that component that we leave off. We like the spirit part. We like to be animated in our worship. We like to run around the room at warp speed and everybody see us and we love to dance and we love to shout. But it says that true worship is in spirit and in truth. As it says over here in John chapter four, and we are starting in verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I mentioned this passage because... He, just a few chapters over, was talking about the Jews that stood before him as having their father as the devil because they were liars and because that was sin and because they were not recognizing truth when they wanted to see it. And now here he says that salvation is from the Jews. He said that because he was talking to a Samaritan and he came as a Jew in the flesh. He came through the line of Judah. So salvation was from them, although it was not of them in and of themselves. We can be people who stand and who see and acknowledge salvation, but it cannot be of us. It might be through us. It might be by us. It might be around us. Jesus might be a part of it, but it's not in us. We cannot rightly come and stand and worship before Jesus if we do not stand in truth. And that means accepting and admitting who we are before him as much as it is acknowledging who he is. The second half of that passage says, For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Meaning we can't just stand there and worship God because we believe in a doctrine. We can't just stand there and worship God because we know where the Messiah was coming through. We can't just stand there and worship God because of a lineage, because of a tradition, because of an idea of who we are. We have to worship in both spirit, because the spirit of God, it says, leads us into all truth and truth, because we come to find and face that reality. It's a powerful thing. And we all know that when we really get real with God, when we really get truthful with God, when we really come to accept that truth, that our worship goes and elevates to another very powerful and very poignant level. Spirit and in truth, the spirit that leads us into all truth, because the spirit brings us back to the way, the truth, and the life. 
and truth where we accept that where we accept who we are where we accept what we're failing and it's a lot more than just saying we're sorry or we're doing the wrong thing or we screwed up or we'll try to do better next time because we all know that we won't that's that whole principle we cannot just solve some of this stuff by mere willpower we cannot just sort it out by abstract obedience obey what the word says obey what the word says obey what the word says well the word says that the truth sets us free so that means that the beginning, the starting, the root of that is accepting that truth and feeling something and getting mad and wanting to change and wanting to be different because we accept that this is not working for us and it's going to continue not to work for us if we stay where we are, if we don't come to the fruition of the reality that if we don't allow God to move within us, nothing will change. And God will show you what to do. He will show you how to change. He will put that support in your life that you need because we cannot go with this alone. We don't sin by ourselves and we don't get better by ourselves. We're trying to go with this thing by our mere self-will. And we think if we pray it or we do it in the name of Jesus or we do this or that, that it's going to bring it to pass and it doesn't work. It crashes and burns because we need to be with other people who are working on getting real too, who are working on living in truth and who are doing it beyond this nice idea of, well, we're going to believe this doctrine and it's going to save us. He really proves that that's not true in these passages, that they believed a doctrine that did not have the power to save them. Your beliefs on the page aren't going to do much for you on the page. They're not even going to do much for you in theory. Truth needs to become personal, needs to become real, needs to become reality. And that's how truth becomes personal and how truth lives in you. So it is my sincere prayer that the truth that you need, that the truth that sets you free, that will pass all doctrine, all concept, and all understanding will live in you so that you can start to get where you need to be and how things need to be. I pray that this program has blessed you. And if you are interested in learning more about the work of Apostolic Fellowship International Revival Ministries and about how this work of counterculture Christianity is, you are welcome to go visit my website at kingdompowernow.org. That's kingdompowernow.org. And this is me signing off now and praying that until next time, you will come to embrace the truth and that truth will set you free. Thank you for joining us on the Kingdom Now podcast today. And we pray it has proven to be a blessing in your life. Do you desire to learn more about this ministry, have a prayer request, or desire to hear a topic covered on this program? To learn more, to send feedback, or to donate to this ministry, as our podcast is sponsored by people like you, visit our ministry website with links to other points of connection all over the web at www.kingdompowernow.org. Also, if you are in our area and would like to visit Sanctuary International Fellowship Tabernacle, SIFT, visit www.welcomeinthisplace.org. Until next time, this is Apostle Dr. Leanne Marino reminding you that the kingdom of God is within you, and that means the kingdom is now.